Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and I am joined by the my fellow readers of The Claw of the Conciliator. Hello, Pete, Chris, hey. and Kurt. Sorry, How I thought you, you were going to group us like that, so I, I was... <laughs> <laughs> no, Keeping Carlo's all business toes. tonight. All business. He's got to go, go, go. We had a very eventful series of chapters. Lots of new creatures <laughs> well, and people and, and lore to discuss and to plumb the, the secrets of. No time for pleasantries, Pete. Sorry, and, and like this is an episode we can't screw up because it is a dedicated episode. It, it, yes, for sure. This is, I am dedicated to these episodes. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, welcome back, everyone, to the Year of the New Sun. We are continuing our read of The Claw of the Conciliator, uh, chapters 11 through 15, or uh, XI through XV. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, and, and one thing that I, I, I guess I'd forgotten to do uh, the last couple of times, I guess, is... Jun Jun previously on the Claw of the Conciliator. So basically we get a a rather uh up until this point we had gotten a rather detailed uh description of the beheading uh of Morwenna, who was accused of perhaps poisoning her husband and child, or perhaps it was Eusebia who falsely accused her and said so after the fact. Uh, we also get an admonishment from Severian in the very same episode, in the very same chapter, that he, you know, he's not going to get into the nitty gritty anymore because, you know, just imagine him doing, doing his thing along the way, and uh, you know, he's not going to talk about you know gross execution stuff. Um, so, uh, and we also have him uh, get a a letter uh, promising that Thecla is actually alive, that through uh, a series of conspiracies and plans that he was not aware of, she was actually alive and waiting for him inside an old abandoned mine. He jumps on a destrier, gallops out there only to almost be um, basically killed by a series of glowing man apes. Uh, and of course, Agia makes her reappearance, uh, having actually read, uh, written the letter herself and left it for Severia to find. Um, as a result of their journey to the Manape cave, uh, they get a pounded gold, uh, mace head that, uh, Severian's companion Jonas, who may or may not be a cyborg, um, or perhaps a robot. We're not entirely sure. He definitely has a steel hand. And um, he goes out to try to uh, sell it. And that alerts some ruffians uh, to th to their uh, position in the town. And they get kidnapped and taken to Votilus. Whereupon Votilus lets them know that they are going to be present at a most auspicious and important feast where they waggle their eyebrows and wink a lot and say the name Thecla. Is that more or less a cheeky uh, summary of, um, of the chapters we've gone through now? Mm -hmm. Maybe cheeky, say? but certainly not inaccurate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, I, I, I get the feeling 
that um, Agia is going to become a a sort of uh, a sort of Cato to Severian's Inspector Clouseau, like constantly jumping out at him to attack him and keep him on his toes is the impression that I'm getting. <laughs> and, and I really hope that that's the case because it was a delightful little uh, uh, sidetrack. And, and there's there's no Agia in this block of chapters, but I anxiously await her future uh, capers and japes and canapes. Oh. And canapes. <laughs> the whole, the whole uh, host of hors d'oeuvres, which, um, you know, uh, I, I suppose we should get right to it, right? The next, this, this chapter is Thecla, mm. and we get to meet Thecla in a way we haven't met her before. Yes. Well Taste the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just had a very weird moment. Uh, so I'm laying down ant baits because it's the season. Mm-hmm. And Chewie just walked over to me and gave me one of the ant baits and walked away. <laughs> oh, well, there you yeah, go. Well, yeah, well, it's very helpful. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you left this on the floor, dude. I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> You're always trying to clean up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All Man, right. if I could well, get him to do that with my socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so uh, I, I, I suppose we could probably... Um, do a a couple of little uh sequences here which which stood out to me uh, mm-hmm. i i yeah I, I had i had some that i wanted to read but it's at the end of the chapter um oh okay gotcha. so yeah yeah um i definitely had one that was earlier i'm i'm scrolling rapidly now to find it because there was a nice little uh there was some nice stuff let's see here well so i you know i i feel like we kind of beat around the bush here they're they were going to eat Thecla's body, and with the help of the Alazbo, the the analeptic Alzabo, Alzabo. That's right. Um, it'll allow them to experience her memory. Um, and that's what what happens. The Thecla just comes out steaming on a big plate, <laughs> and um, it, it, it's kind of ghoulish that they make it like make her look as if like it's not just a bunch of roasted flesh. It's like they actually like. Um, almost like made a dummy of her with with well, the meat. I, did that happen, or or uh, did did Severian just think that that happened? Because mm. he he later says like, oh, all of a sudden the you know the semblance of Thecla was gone. It was just it was just a pile of meat. Uh, and, and it was I, I don't know. It was it was very weird. It definitely gave me uh. Catholic vibes, as has often <laughs> occurred, uh, it very much reminded me of like one of the those. Um, I think it's in Spain that they do this, or maybe it's in like a, a, a you know a, a weird rural part of Italy, right, where they do kind of like the the like parade of the icons, mm. like through the town square. It kind of felt like it. It kind of reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a a, gi- a giant woman being carried aloft, uh, a bunch uh, above a bunch of people who are going to to. To uh, both symbolically and literally eat her, mm. uh, very Catholic, very Catholic. Well, well you're, you're not an important church unless you have a joint bone. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, where do you think they get those uh, those finger bones from? Um, mm. uh, I did want to point out that uh, Severian, uh, to this up until the like in the beginning of the chapter, uh, is. I guess is making a big show or not a big show. I mean, he's actually realized what is going to happen and uh, goes and throws basically everything that he's eaten up. Um, 
And uh, when he returns, uh, Jonas basically sort of commiserates or, or tries to console him, but also says, you know, Severian, my poor friend, you told me of seeing Votilus and this Shadowling Thea and another man beside a violated grave. Didn't you know what it was they planned to do with what they got there? So, I mean, Jonas is like, come on, man. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? <laughs> I was Robin Graves. I was perplexed about. I'm mean, because it seems like some amount of time has has passed since Thecla died, uh, uh, died in quotation marks, um, and uh, but they 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 do kind of explain that away or like they speculate about it later on where they go, well, you know, they must have had her body in like a some kind of like you know chilled cave or something to you know because I, I mean it, it's it's not like. I, I mean, I guess, I guess it could just be like spoiled meat, but I, I don't know. It seems, uh, it seems even worse uh, <laughs> that, that way. So, so to your point, Kurt, um, if, if we're following sort of the the chronology that's presented here, it's only been uh, about a maybe a week since oh. since uh, Severian left. The tower. Uh, I, I don't have the exact number of days. I, I, I know that there, there are people that, that count it out and whatnot, because uh, one of the things that's very odd about this is the fact that uh, Jonas and Severian seem to be much more, uh, have much more camaraderie mm-hmm. uh, for having only known each other maybe three days total by this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, because there's well, there's at least three or four days in the first book, uh, b- because we we get like scenes at night or you know days passing, um, and I just kind of counted through them in my head, and it's been at least three more days since this book started. So so yeah, it's it's been it's been at least a week, mm-hmm. um, if we assume that you know he gets exiled. Like right away, which seems to be the case. Although I, I mean, he also seems like like he was maybe in jail for a little bit too. So I don't know. But but regardless, it was it was uh, fresh organic Thecla. It wasn't uh, it, it wasn't you know uh, uh, pumped full of preservatives. <laughs> to- to- tower to table, tower to table. Yes, <laughs> jerky. Yeah. So uh, I do want to point out that that some of the apparently some of the. Um, henchmen or whatever you'd call them followers of Votilus or have been doing this for a while and they start talking to each other in the presence of, you know, when they're escorting Jonas and, uh, and Severian, uh, to the meeting place. Uh, and they sort of, it's sort of very matter of fact, but also gross. And to your point, Kurt, I, I do agree that this is obviously supposed to be a type of, um, it's playing on the idea of, you know, communion, right? But this is like a perversion uh, in the sense that it, it's not taken, it's not sacred in the way that, uh, you know, you're supposed to approach that ritual. Uh, it is a, a very literalization of what is supposed to happen. You know, mm-hmm. flesh of my flesh, you know, blood of my blood, so on and so forth. But like, for instance, the guys that are escorting them are, are saying, you know, just like talking amongst each other, you know, uh, yeah, going going far this time, going to drown yourself again, you know, by Erebus, I'm going to sink so far you won't see me until winter. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, I, it, it is like to your point about the 
the Christian imagery, um, it, it is, it was very noticeable when they're like, oh, you know, they brought out the tray and there was a big container and a little container. And, you know, after every 10th person or so, the, the servant would kind of ostentatiously, you know, wipe the wipe lip the rim, of yeah. the, uh, container with, 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 with a cloth. And yeah, it's very, uh, very, very, again, very Catholic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's holding a a, a silver a silver salver. Uh, say that it, it, five times. It kind of makes me. It, it kind of makes me imagine uh, Gene Wolfe, like you know, sitting there during communion, being like, "This is kind of weird when you think about <laughs> it." <laughs> well, I, I also think that he's um, he's sort of playfully uh, leaning into like those rumors of uh, what the Catholics were doing, right? The, the, you know, back in the day, they were, they were thought to be necroman- you know, performing necromancy and, <laughs> and eating, you know, being cannibals underground and where, wherever they were hidden uh, by, you know, good, good stout-hearted Romans believed that those weirdos were eating human flesh down there, wherever they were. <laughs> so I have a comment I'd like to make. If you were like, okay, Pete, pop quiz – describe 10 different things about this particular scene i couldn't do it i read it yesterday where it leads grossed me out enough that my brain just dropped a gate <laughs> but it's not it's not really described in a gross way is it which so it's no. it's it's interesting that you connect it with it that much because i almost had i i actually went back and read it a second time after reading it because i was like just to make sure that i really was getting what was going along because they they kind of elide the the tactile part of uh the eating of a dead person right like mm-hmm. like uh severian doesn't describe it at all he just like and i ate some um <laughs> but he spends a lot of time describing the weird taste and smell and the sensation of drinking uh the the uh, alzabo drug but then when he's eating his girlfriend He's like, and I ate some, and then mm. I, and then I got fucked up on, on, you know, thecla meat, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which, well, which, uh, which is, is very telling. I, I, I feel like in terms of what is being shared by Severian and what isn't. So I, I think, uh, perhaps to, to, you know, hammer home a little bit more on my initial point, um, and, and maybe this is something that, that actually, uh, affected you, Pete. Because there, there are these small, and, and, and like Kurt was saying, there are these small indications of what's going to happen, and that's described in much more detail. Yes. Um, and so eventually by the time the, the you know, you realize what's going to happen, uh, you know, he's building on that realization and really uh, leaning into it. Because like, for instance... Um, when the when the servant when Vodos's servant shows up, he says, uh, "There's a really interesting thing here where he's like he carried a salver with a large and small bottle on it and a crystal goblet." A murmuring began, not a thing for words, I thought, but the sound of a hundred little noises of satisfaction, of quick breathings and tongues on lips. The man with the salver stood motionless until his hand had run its course, then advanced towards Vodalus with measured steps. So that that whole thing of like murmurings and like basically the the sound of tongues on lips mm. is just so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine like people smacking their lips and sort of like you know like like licking their lips in anticipation, you know, with hunger and whatnot. Uh, so. 
and by uh, this is before the the actual mixture is sent is you know sent around because one of the things that um happens immediately is that uh when Severian drinks it he says that for a moment i felt that my gorge would rise as it had as it had beside the brook though in truth nothing remained in my stomach to come up i choked and swallowed and passed the goblet to jonas then discovered that i was salivating rapidly which of course sounds very much like you know the descriptions of you know taking some sort of hallucinogen or mushrooms or whatever mhm right the description of of um Severian starting to trip was, uh, in my opinion, fairly accurate to the description of tripping, um, which you know, that, which is which is not to say that Gene Wolfe necessarily partied. You know, he might have gotten that second hand. I'm just saying it was it was pretty well written, um, and especially kind of the description of, uh, you know, things kind of not just like things being wobbly, which is typical, but I thought that the imagery of like things feeling like a cutout. Mm. It was uh, and kind of like more foreground was was very particular. I don't know. It was it was just it was captured very well, uh, and it it rung true in a way that I don't. Again, I don't I don't know necessarily speaks to firsthand experience, but it was just well captured. I thought. Yeah, like like the also the the idea of um, uh, or the description of Bodilus being both feeling like looming over the the entire you know the the entire thing. But also feeling super far away, yeah. That that feels very similar to other descriptions as well. Also, like if you've just had a fever, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like that that weird near far uh, juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then it, basically, he, uh, you know, they 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 pass the goblet around. You're supposed to take a full swallow. Otherwise, you do not, you know, the, the effect does not take, uh, it, it, the effect doesn't take hold, uh, and you've wasted basically uh, the, the precious resource of the Alzabo uh, extract, which is basically taken from the, uh, what was it, the Scratcher at Graves <laughs> uh, creature, the Carrion Eater and Scratcher at Graves that, um, that they described in the previous chapter, uh, yeah, they they extract the analeptic from its gland at the base mm-hmm. of its skull. Uh, it's also the thing that helps the Alzabo basically mimic or let something live inside of it for a time, uh, because the Alzabo itself is is a is a predator, but is not very. They 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 describe it as being as as uh, smart as a dog, perhaps less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um. The imagery in the, I guess it was in the previous chapter where it, where it talks about how, you know, it's this thing that shows up when a child has died and begs to be let in, which I guess the implication is that it ate the child and is remembering being the child and so trying to get back in the house. It seems to mm-hmm. be the implication, uh, which is pretty dark. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting it's it's an interesting piece of imagery and it's extended really well in this whole in this whole sequence um but in typical uh fashion of these books it doesn't really give you any neat bow upon it like you don't you you don't get a nice little summation uh of it you really just kind of get this conversation um where people talk about it and both of them kind of already are aware of it and they don't recap it for your the reader's benefit yeah mm-hmm. Well, also, uh, one thing that, that I don't want to forget, 
um, Thea makes an appearance and Vodalus is somewhat surprised by that. Uh, and she, she decides to sit in and it, again, I, I think to your point, Kurt, it's not tied up in a bow, but like she and Vodalus exchange a glance where it's, you know, if you read between the lines, you think, well, you know, this is her half sister. She shouldn't, you know, she, she probably got permission to not, she didn't have to be here if she didn't want to be. So, um, so we, we, to, to your earlier point, Kurt, about the description of, or maybe it was you, Chris, uh, the description of Thecla approaching, mm-hmm. um, uh, Thea's speaking, um, and she says, it's said to be perilous, Thea Kud, when one has known the, sh- the shared in life. Memories held together may amaze the mind, yet I who loved her will risk that confusion, and knowing from your look when you spoke of her that you would desire it as well, I said nothing to Vodalus. Mm. So, in the meantime, while she's saying that, Severian notices that uh, a woman seated on a silver litter borne on the shoulders of six men was approaching. For a moment, I thought it was Thecla. It looked so like her in the orange light, then I realized that it was rather her image— made perhaps of wax so yeah i mean again we don't know if this is uh severian imagining that he's seeing it that way and and and, you know like like some sort of saint being carried on on a beer Mm -hmm. uh or if it's actually happening because the next scene is just like well, here, here's a tray and it's just full of steaming meats and you're like "Uh, that's weird (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> doing the uh doing the mark zuckerberg hmm, meats <laughs> really some meats here um i i i really liked uh there, so so uh first of all I, i'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later but uh thea is not joking around about it being perilous uh if uh if you knew the person um, because that, that seems to crop up a little bit later that there is now, there is some danger of some things being, uh, transferred over to Severian that previously weren't. But, um, there's a really nice, uh, little piece, like at the end of Severian's remembrances that I, I jotted down, uh, where it's, it's right at the end of the first chapter where, um, he's kind of, he's, you know, coming to the conclusion of his, his, uh, experience with his inner Thecla. Um, and says, we were one naked and happy and clean, and we knew that she was no more and that I still lived, and we struggled against neither of those things, but with woven hair, read from a single book, and talked and sang of other matters. Um, and I thought that was really beautiful imagery, and it trails off in a very uh, a very interesting and like poetic and lyrical way that took that that put me in mind not so much of um not so much of like early eighties uh like American sci-fi. Um Team Wolf was American, wasn't he? Yeah. Um yeah. but ac- but more with like early 20th century uh British fiction. It struck me as a very Tolkien type phrasing, um where especially that that ending of, you know, and sang and talked of other things and just kind of trails off, feels almost like a Lewis Carroll or like Tolkien or, or like something that could have been in like 
like the end of a chapter and like the wind of the willows or something. It's just an, I just thought it was a really neat construction that stood out to me as being different than the stuff around it. And it, it's, it's nice because it's a very dreamlike construction. It, it doesn't tell you actually it could, e- it could even be something from, from like Winnie the Pooh or something. It has that kind of, it, it implies a lot, but nothing that it implies is useful or needs to be explicated to you. The reader, you're just supposed to imagine this kind of like vision trailing off into an infinite ellipsis um that kind of dwindles you know beyond your awareness yeah and and it it implies like a a sort of like to your point i think it summarizes in service of their privacy like this is severian putting a putting like a a point uh on the fact that yes these are things that we shared and it's our stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yours. It, well, it actually, I, I, I just, I just Googled re- real quick and it reminds me of literally the end, uh, the end of, uh, the Winnie the Pooh stories where it says like, you know, the, in that enchanted place on the top of the forest, a little mm-hmm. boy and his bear will always be playing. It has that, that like lyrical openness to it. I think I cut you off, Chris. Well, yeah, this, I was just going to say that this was actually the section that I was going to call out as well. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, Kurt. Um, what I, I was less taken with like the, the pro style and more just the, this wonderful intimate moment that Sever, uh, Severian was having with, uh, Thecla and like, uh, I, I really appreciated like the, the dynamic of she and, you know, she was no longer living. Uh, and I was, and that didn't bother us. We were still like together. We were together as one, and I, I, I just thought found that very beautiful. And like, <clears throat> it, it, it put their relationship in a much more uh, romantic frame of mind than I, I, I had ever really imagined it. Because a lot of it happened off, off, off screen, so to speak. Like for us, for the reader. Um, so we didn't like we saw him sitting and talking to her, but like a lot of the other stuff that has just really only been implied. So it, it, it I, I found that very moving. <laughs> to to completely ruin this nice train of thought, the other thing that this sequence reminded me of is that that Reddit thread where it's like um, you can you can have sex with one real person from all of human history. Who would it be? And someone was like. I'd like to have sex one more time with my wife who passed away from cancer nine years ago. And someone replies and said, I also choose this guy's dead wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. All right. (laughs) All right. So I suppose we could, we we can now move on. Uh, So, so um, because this was framed beforehand that Vodalus has like a, um, a mission for, for, uh, Severian to go. Uh, they're, they're basically uh, encouraged to leave the next day. Um, and uh, he leaves with Jonas and uh, it, this is where we actually get the <laughs> the admission that Vodalus was like trying to look for Severian at town b- the <laughs> night before but some asshole stole my horse. It's great. I love, I so love that, that whole sequence. <laughs> he got he got owned and didn't even know it. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> um, I also really like the revelation shortly thereafter that that Jonas is like, oh, I didn't eat any. In fact, I have mastered the art of appearing to eat uh, <laughs> even when I don't. I don't need to eat very much. In fact, I've done it in front of you multiple times, uh, which is very interesting. <laughs> we find out a lot, a lot about, about Jonas. Um, 
uh, he actually he he starts speaking very freely in general in these chapters, and Severian is kind of too dumb to pick up on. It. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I think well, it's I, also I, in the sequence where he starts talking about like once upon a time I was you know I, I was traveling in distant ports uh, you know across the stars blah 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 blah, and Severian's like that sounds like a cool island. How far away is? It? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is so he is so lost. <laughs> so great I, I i thought about that as well i was like oh that's a cool island it's like oh that, that's that's where uh jonas pats him on the back and just shakes his head <laughs> yeah I, it, it was very much I, I this section of jonas was very much like i don't need any of your i i've learned very well to eat your human feud food H- human food <laughs> like it's like <laughs> yeah jonas is a really cool character um mm. and i really like uh, to your point about the camaraderie, it if I mean it doesn't it doesn't feel like that weird like like it's it's interesting that there is that little gap of some significant stuff that still hasn't been told to us. But I get the impression maybe in the next series of chapters maybe we'll find out. Who the hell knows? Um, uh, but like yeah, they they seem pretty tight. But at the same time, there is this distance between them of um, Jonas both both like playing his cards close to his chest and, and also Severian not knowing how to play poker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, but they have like a nice little, I don't know. They, they have a nice like bro chemistry going. I don't know. Dudes rock. They do. And it's funny to me because my initial reaction to Jonas is complete distrust. Yeah. Mm. Same, same. He just Mm. seems like a genuine guy who's done some stuff. Yeah. So, um, so then uh, as they're uh, traveling uh, on their errand, um, they, uh, Severian notices a speck up in the sky, up ahead, and that uh, soon becomes uh, a, a, a thing that they are, they're trying to flee from because uh, I think Jonas is the one that... Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Severian sees it fly, swoop down towards him, and he instinctively, you know, basically uh, unsheathes Terminus Est and cuts it in half. And uh, it, it flutters to the ground in two pieces. And he, he says basically he would have dismounted to examine it. But Jonas, like, gall- is galloping up, is shouting and waving his hands. And he's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> uh, and it becomes clear that these are some sort of weird creatures um, that, uh, like the El Zabo may have, um, been brought from other, other places from beyond the stars. I, uh, I would like to say here that if Severian wasn't wandering around with two powerful artifacts that I would characterize those things as Lovecraftian. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the, the poor Ulan, the, the, uh, officer or, or guard that, um, that they meet uh, and becomes quickly a victim to the very same creatures that, uh, that were pursuing them. Uh, the, the, the whole sequence where he dies and they, they're like, Oh no, you got, you gotta, you, you can't just leave them around. They'll, they'll, they'll propagate. No, you gotta, you gotta capture them, mm-hmm. do something with them. 
and the the descriptions of like oh he's got one up one nostril and he's got <laughs> another one up the other nostril and they open his mouth and it's like it looked like basically like a, it, one of those uh you know bugs bunny uh portable holes yes. in there that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like uh, you throw him back to our Roger Rabbit episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and, but, but when he draws that one out, it's like full of saliva and streaked oh. with, you know, like and you're like, Ugh, gross. And it becomes clear. Like one of the things that, um, that happens when Severian slices it, he, he says he feels, uh, a, a burst of heat as if someone had opened up an oven door near him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonas then confides in him that, yeah, these are nodules. These, uh, these things will uh, basically uh, are looking for, uh, for heat. Uh, and, you know, in the process of, uh, of being challenged by the Ulan, who is now dead, um, he had fired off his lance, his, his, energy lance or whatever and there'd been a tree that uh, was lit lit on fire and uh severian goes like well you know there's plenty of plenty of heat from coming from that fire and he's like nah they like like living heat (laughs) so to your point pete yes very lovecraftian it's funny how it's um on the level of like description um it it never really quite gives a good description of it, which is itself very Lovecraftian in a different way. Um, it It's like you get the impression that it is a flying shape without a whole lot of definition and it swoops. So you, you're, you know, you, you're supposed to get, I, I gather like kind of bird like bat, like imagery from it is used a few times. Um, but even like when it's captured, they're not like, it's a wriggling thing, you know, about six inches, but like, there's, there's no, there's no info dump on the thing, um, which is very characteristic of this series and very few other sci-fi and fantasy series that I can think of. And it just kind of leaves it at that. Like it's, you know, you, you never, you never get that, that sense of like descriptive closure. As the Um, ebony sham, sham wow bent around the blade. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining the ShamWow guy selling these. Uh, you know, talking well, that, to his, uh, the ShamWow voice. That that's how they. That's how they. That's how he died. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Um. So. So. You know, the the Ulan dies, and uh, I, I think to your um, to your earlier point, uh, Kurt the it is sort of like doing it's pulling a uh a, a a lovecraftian gimmick but yeah like in a different stylistic uh way in the sense that it's instead of being very purple prose and over the top descriptions he's giving very sparse descriptions and letting the action and consequences sort of define the edges of the these creatures if you will mhm Hmm. I did like the uh, the the mention where Severian kind of feels bad, and he's like, "Well, you know, if I hadn't cut it into three things, you know, he'd still be able to breathe." And Jonas basically goes, "Well, yes, until they got to his lungs." Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's better. Maybe it was nicer this way. Um, <laughs> and Jonas, and then of course Jonas points out, you know, if they gotten in his lungs, we would have had to to cut him open uh, to get them out. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, well, and, 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 and this, th- this, by the way, is is where Severian, um, sorry, where uh, Jonas does his whole thing of being like, you know, in one of the ports that I have traveled to, they they use these blah blah blah, and Severian totally misunderstands. <laughs> where is this island? He looked at me curiously. <laughs> is it far from the coast? I've always wanted to see Oroboros, though I suppose it is dangerous. <laughs> Very far, Jonas said in a flat voice. Very far indeed. Wait a moment. <laughs> it's so good. It's have, so dry. I have crossed too. oceans of time to find you. Oh yeah, which oceans? Like the Atlantic, the Pacific? <laughs> <laughs> which of the seven that I know? Yeah. Mm. Um. So anyway, uh, and, and then they start getting chased by living statues. Yeah, but but before that, I do. Oh, want to point oh yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's, there's, there's so, a rather big thing that happens, I guess, before that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Severian feels bad enough that the Ulan died uh, because of his own sort of ignorance or actions, and so he um, he lays the uh, the claw of the conciliator, pulls it out, and lays it on the Ulan's forehead. And uh, Jonas is like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so that Jonas is the one that it's funny because Jonas is the one that is saying like, well, yeah, that, he, then he wasn't really dead. He, he wasn't, you know, he, he, you know, he's pulling, he's pulling a miracle max, right? He, he was only mostly dead. Um, <laughs> that, that's why he woke up again. I guess they knocked him out, you know, he, uh, one one quibble. Um, it it wasn't through uh Severian's kind of ignorance that he dies. He literally raises his sword in the air and begs God to trade their lives. Uh, before that happens, if 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 I understood correctly, he invokes mm, the new yes. son and says, he, "My he my life, life for his, son. my life for his." Uh, and <laughs> so I kind of get why he feels a little bad about it after the fact. Although I mean, hey, he asked for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm talking out of my ass here, but wasn't that the speech that the Green Knight gave in the legend, more or less? My life for his type of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like what? Didn't he say something very similar where he st- when he stepped up to the block and took the place? Blow, blow for blow is, oh. uh, I believe, is the the actual phrasing. But I mean, it's. It, I think it's it's similar, right? It's a similar sentiment, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, and you know what? You're being very kind and trying to rescue me, and there's no need, man. I was wrong, so it's good. <laughs> In any case, yeah. So, um, and 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 also, uh, by the time that uh, the Ulan sort of comes back to, Jonas uh, decides that he needs to sort of uh, gallop off. He's got to go scout ahead, and then Hethor shows up. Uh, and uh, basically, we're, I suppose we're supposed to imagine that Hethor, the weirdo who loves watching uh, people <laughs> die on the, <laughs> on the executioner's block, uh, who is also a s- s- sailor across the s- stars, the solars, you know, the, the places between stars, uh, has probably, um, no, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 uh, that sounds insensitive, but. Hethor definitely has a stutter, and I'm trying to do that, and I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't. But um, I'll give you a pass as someone who has a stutter. Okay. <laughs> but I, it's, one, I, it's one time use only, so you better be careful, buddy. I, okay. Jeez. You know, that's, that's interesting, because I have one, too. 
<laughs> like we're 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 like fifty percent of the cast is is can can throw shade at Carlo right now. There you, you know, go. I, 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 it's, I it's weird. I only stutter when I'm talking normally. Um, if I'm doing the voice that I'm doing now, where I'm thinking about how I'm talking and phrasing, and I'm doing a little bit of radio voice, I won't stutter. I, I, I discovered that when I see, I stopped it, and I literally stuttered as soon as I stopped. Yeah. Uh, I discovered that in uh, theater. I never, I, I never hmm. study when I'm reciting uh, when I'm reciting lines. I never stutter when I'm reciting lines. Rather, that's that's really interesting. It's I'm I'm performance anxiety. So like, I got into teaching and presentation and theater and stuff to overcome the. Th- the the stutter so we have the exact opposite problem <laughs> hmm. interesting so um so again uh hathor shows up when jonas is no longer around and it's like it seems like a i don't know what this means i don't think that hathor and jonas are the same person is uh i'm sure that there's uh conspiracies about that and theories about that given the fact that um gene wolf did the right thing and wrote these books and then shut the fuck up about them for the rest of his life and never answered, <laughs> never gave definitive answers about anything, uh, apparently. Um, but but it is it is something that I think uh, Wolf is definitely playing with us as an audience to let you think that Hethor, or, or at least draw a connection between Hethor and Jonas. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Hethor literally starts talking about spaceships like eight paragraphs after uh, Jonas was also talking about spaceships, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and Severian being Severian doesn't doesn't catch on in either case. <laughs> I, I do, I do love that <laughs> when he approaches. This is such a great. Uh, this is such a, a devastating line. Hethor came panting up like an ill-bred dog that has run when called. And now expects a petting for it. <laughs> it's so good. So condescending. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so so yeah, to your point, Chris, then they start, uh, Severian starts seeing these statues. Yeah. They're the, the, it, it almost sounds like they're like, to my mind, it sounded like bulls, like statues of bulls. Um, But but I don't know if we ever get like a, a real good description of what exactly they look like. Oh, I thought they were just like giant. Giant people statues, oh, basically, possibly. Was, was the impression I, that I got. Yeah, I don't know why I thought pull. <laughs> um, I really liked before. So before he, it, it's it's weird because he's he's trying to describe them, and he fails, and then it's like, I'm sorry, I'm so bad at describing them. I, I, so I, actually, Chris, he's basically absolved you. Uh, Severian as the narrator of like, I'm sorry, I did a really bad job of describing these giant statues. <laughs> um, and he even, he even says, I have just paused to reread what I have written of it. And I see that I have failed utterly to convey the essence of the thing, <laughs> which is great. Um, but there's a really nice turn of phrase right before that happens where he's describing like, there is a race like humans, but they're not human. And they have faces like ours but the emotions that they have are not human emotions. They're alien emotions that we'll never understand. And uh, he says, uh, so for us to see their faces is to look upon some ancient and terrible alphabet of feeling at once supremely mm. important and utterly unintelligible. And I really liked uh, ancient and terrible alphabet of feeling is a really nice turn of phrase. Mm. Um, I thought that was very evocative as are just the, I don't know, the giant 
the giant statue shaped things that that are made of living rock, which um, I, I like Jonas trying to punch one <laughs> and his, his metal hand bouncing off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just very weird. Uh, honestly, the the whole transition, which happens right about now into basically them being uh, within the what the heck is it called? The something house, the house absolute. Thank you. The house absolute. Um, is a very new sort of weird. It feels very, uh, I, I don't, this is a connection that, that I just formed now, but it reminds me of the, the, the weird, like Baroque, uh, space station sequence in, uh, uh, the magnetic rose, um, sequence in, um, memories, mm, okay. uh, that has that. that kind of like weird, meshing of like it feels like kind of stagnant but also very very fancy and there's lots of like everything's big marble and weird beautiful people and it's, i don't know it, it feels like jonas and severian are wandering or very very quickly uh being forced uh through a a like like a fresco or something mm. well don't forget that the 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 places that they they come across that then um, these are the outer gardens, but every so often they will see like a weird, um, like almost a, a, a depression in the earth and there's people in there, uh, and they, they're told, oh, you, these are the grounds of the house absolute. And these are some of the, you know, some of the, I forget what they, the, the phrase is, it's not prisoners, basically. <laughs> they're just sort of like, uh, people that are there, you know, just. The, the 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 autark wants them there and so no one questions and you know uh, apparently um no one's questioned uh why whether they should stay there or or not uh for several generations so much so that uh people have been born into these same uh sort of like weird uh cavities in the ground mm-hmm. uh over you know like several generations worth of people are just there they're just there yeah, and it's not even the prison that is in the ground either. We we find out that the house absolute itself is underground. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of the things that uh, struck me about this, uh, and, and to to your point, Chris, is it made me think. And given that we're supposed to be sort of visualizing a somewhat fantasy ish thing but every once in a while there's a certain description that pulls pulls away the <laughs> pulls away something and you're like oh wait so are these the tops of some sort of skyscraper or buildings or something like that that have just been underground do you think oh hmm because like- once once they're put on into one of the 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 chambers mm-hmm. or the antechambers or whatever um there's floors beneath that. <laughs> it just makes me think, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That's interesting. That's neat. Like, like even, even if it's bullshit, it's neat bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment on my bullshit. Speaking <laughs> of neat bullshit, um, we skipped over the weird mirror, somewhat invisible teleporting, uh, guard guys, which is pretty cool. Um, the, 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 who, who oh, captures oh, the Predator guys. And, jo- and Jonas. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It, yeah. You're right. It, it, it is like, like the predator guys. And it's basically like, there are these guys who are armored from head to toe in weird hyper reflective armor that you, it's polished so much that you can no longer see the armor itself, only the reflections. 
Mm. Um, and so they're like really hard to look at and they seem to kind of like flow and move in, in weird ways. It just kind of reflects whatever is, is around them. Um, yeah. and so they apps, they get mega, get the drop on, uh, Jonas and Severian and like wrap them up in weird, uh, like weird, um, uh, nets things. Yeah. Yeah. They get Spider-Man. <laughs> it's <laughs> cool. It's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's a much more conventional sci-fi and fantasy conceit than, than I w- would normally guess, you, you know, like it, it, it's, it's fairly straight, straightforward and Severian kind of explains how he thinks it works. Um, but it is, it's just a cool little detail. Um, I, there is a weird digression where Severian is like, isn't it funny how they didn't really, you know, they 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 couldn't actually make me go with them, uh, but you know, I I could have said no or or fought them more. And it's funny how life is a series of things where you know somebody can't really make you do something, but you do it anyway. It's like a series of small surrenders. And I was like, I don't know about that exactly. It <laughs> seems like they could have kicked your ass if they so desired in their <laughs> in their weird invisible predator armor, but you know, go. You go off, Severian. Well, I mean, is so so to that to that uh, point. Uh, I pose a question: uh, Would wouldn't this be essentially future autark Severian, basically uh, trying to show that he was always meant to be the autark? So therefore, the the guards never really forced him to do anything. They recognize his, you know. Autark hood, you know, even then his, his, uh, nascent Autark hood, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking that this seems like a, a weird intercession from future Severian, uh, trying to write this out and trying to sort of smooth over the fact that, yeah, I was completely at their mercy. And this is the worst, this is the worst thing that, uh, that could have happened to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of, um, oh, okay. Uh, uh, Pete is doing is doing a hey, perhaps unintentionally. He has his hey, hand up in the unintentionally, chat. Unintentionally, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, now that I've made a point of mentioning it, <laughs> that's not weird at all. Um. Well. Uh. So. Uh. Sp- speaking of um. Sp- speaking of the worst thing that could happen. Uh. Jonas is. Uh, so so Jonas and Severian get you know brought down to the. The I guess you could call it a generation prison, like we mentioned earlier. It's it's like they discover that it's it's a prison where people have been in prison for so long that like there are people who don't know what bees are and they'll and they've they've heard about bees and they imagine that they're like flying warriors with like poison <laughs> with like poison uh swords that that guard a bunch of sugar. <laughs> and they're, and they're, asking, they're, they're asking Jonas all these weird questions. <laughs> I, I love how he's like, they didn't even want to know anything like important. They were asking me about bees, but they didn't understand what bees were. <laughs> um but Jonas bees, is, how do they work? <laughs> uh Jonas is really panicked um, and basically says, I, you know, you don't understand. He's like, I need to get out of here. And Severian's like, yes, yes, we need to get out of here. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to get out of here or I will, I will die or basically lose my mind. Um, And it seems like there's more going on than just being in prison. Um, And I was wondering if it had something to do with, I don't know, like Jonas being a cyborg, it was related in some way. I, I don't know, but um, so it, it was it was it jumped out at me mm-hmm. so so this is where i put on my tinfoil hat a little bit and push a little bit against jonas uh 
fobbing off Severian's questions regarding the uh, the the Alzabo, uh, and and maybe he didn't eat any of the <laughs> of the Thecla flesh, um, but he did take the the analeptic, uh, and maybe he's having a weird. You know, he's having like the the cyberpunk thing where he's he's starting to suffer weird uh, cyborg psychosis, <laughs> like the two halves. Because I mean, let's face it, like you know, to to a certain extent, he's a mirror to Severian right now, where Severian is Severian and Thecla, uh, Jonas is Jonas and machine thing, you know, person uh, joined into one, right? Mm-hmm. So. What happens if a cyborg takes the Alzabo? Hmm. Okay, I, don't know. I, 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 I have a question which isn't going to benefit the conversation, <laughs> but I, I want to know the answer, which is, where did you get the term cyborg psychosis? Because I learned it from Torg, a role-playing game that I know you didn't play. Cyberpunk 2020, my friend. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, 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 a big, uh, it's a big plot point um, of one of the, like, ongoing quest in that game and i know that it was also present uh as a mechanic in the original um cyberpunk uh tabletop role-playing game that mm. you know like the more the more uh augments you have like the the the, the lower your humanity gets essentially yes. and you get like a greater and greater risk of you know hulking out as Inter- yeah because that's that's absolutely how it works in torg you know, the, I, it's very funny that that cyberpunk uh, game. I I have played. Are we, are we talking about the one that's on the PS Five? Uh, yes. Well, it's that's the one that's derived from yeah the the TTRPG. Okay, yeah, I uh, um, I I've played like all of the different intros you can do, and have not gone any farther than that because it just it feels like a movie with extra steps. It, the rest of the game isn't like that for good and for ill. Um, to it, it's uh, we this is <laughs> this could be this could be a, a different episode entirely. But I know what you mean, and I think you are probably right to stop playing it. Although the game does change significantly after the intro, the intro is basically irrelevant for the rest of the game. Okay, that's good. That's good info. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry. I think I've done more to fuck with this episode than no, anyone no, no. else on here. No, because you reminded me of something, actually, which is speaking of weird psychoses. Um, it seems like Severian may have gotten a little bit of the, uh, a case of the revolutionaries um, by intermingling his brain with uh, a Thecla flesh because he starts trying to pick out his eyeballs and Jonas mm-hmm. is like, Hey, cut that out. Smacks his hand away. <laughs> and it's like, you're Jonas. You're not, Thecla. I mean, you're Severian. You're not Thecla. And he's like, Oh, right. Right. Yes. Yes. Severian, not Thecla Severian. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an acid flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's ladder. Thecla's ladder. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 Kurt, you you made me laugh thinking about the, uh, the, the poor fools that are trapped down there so long. They're like, yes, the warriors that wear uh, yellow and black armor, <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? Are, wait, are they talking about fucking bees? What the well, fuck? I I also love uh, in that same conversation, um, Jonas is like, one of them told me basically that she 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 was like a seventh generation prisoner. But 
she lets slip that her mother was also a seventh generation prisoner, (laughs) (laughs) which could mean a couple (laughs) different things. Um, That I loved. I also loved um, Jonas says that the, 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 the earliest prisoner they know of was called like, I think they said Kim, Kim Lee soon. Yes. And he says like, Mm. but imagine that that it's three names, not one name. And Severian goes, Hmm. Everyone I've ever met only has one name. (laughs) Uh, And Jonas goes, well, you know, when I was, and he does like a dot, 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 uh, a boy, um, that would have been a very common name. Um, And that was a long time ago. I'm, I'm older than you. And I'm also older than you think that I am. And so this basically, I mean, it's, it seems like Jonas is, very old like not yes. just old but like really old <laughs> like well, i mean <laughs> it, it, I, I i i'm imagining i mean based on on some of the um some of the posturing that Vodalus does at uh, in the the chapter that begins the sequence uh i'm imagining that a lot of these ships were basically you know either going at light speed or you know hyperspace or, or some sort of you know there's some sort of relativity issue where time is, you know, is stopped for Jonas while he's on the ship, right? Mm. Uh, and so when he comes back, it's you know thousands of years later or whatever. I also like um, uh, when something happens at the end of the chapter where they get zapped by something, uh, and he mentions like Jonas was cursing, but not in a language he he had ever heard and or or spoken to him before. So. Mm-hmm. He contains, well, if not multitudes, he contains at least one other guy. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is why why I I think that maybe he maybe even a little bit of the the analeptic uh, might have triggered mm. his weird uh, this weird uh, split. Maybe he's just having some sort of weird split, and suddenly his machine self is waking up or something. Who knows? His Windows partition is coming online. <laughs> oh, he forgot to defrag. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, uh, uh, again, th- these these are five chapters where a lot happens, and yet it, it they they all seem very short. I mean, there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff also happening. We like, didn't even mention that that they see Dorcas and in, in Jolenta and and uh, Doctor Talos. Oh yes, that's Walk, right. Yeah. yeah, walking into the the house, absolute. I I think the thing is that there's just so many ideas just packed into these into like every little bit of this book, uh, of these books that it's like you, you know like uh, an another author author would have like you know a really good day coming up with just like the the flying heat seeking you know black papers or whatever they are shamwiles uh, yes <laughs> yeah shamwiles that's right um but but like he has that and then he immediately follows up with oh i just resurrected a guy with this claw and then i with this gemstone and then there's oh there's walking statues and oh oh yeah by the way we're we're underground and there's a generation prison and like it's just like idea after idea after idea it's just fantastic yeah yeah i mean <sighs> And and also there's the stuff that like to your point, Chris, like all of that is there, but also there's the stuff that he decides not to sort of put a you know a dot the I's and T's because mm-hmm. he wants you to make some connections. Right. And you know, there there's the stuff like are 
are are these are these antechambers just basically the penthouses or the top floors of weird skyscrapers that are now underground? I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be uh, something that is uh, beyond the pale, given the fact that you know we went into the man the the manic cave and uh they were excavating a city under there so mm. i mean who knows yeah who knows there, there's there's weird golem statues that uh that that apparently have expressions that uh that seem an alphabet what is it a, an alphabet <laughs> an entirely different alphabet uh uh terrible alphabet of emotions yeah oh. so who knows Oh, also, uh, they confirmed uh, what I was inferring in, I think, the previous episode about how the Autarch seems to be like a puppet government of, you know, basically, you know, some kind of alien empire or something, uh, because Vodalus earlier on in, in this sequence of chapters tells Severian, like, while you're in the House Absolute, you may encounter these these beings that people call Kekajins, but the the informed call like Hyruli Hyrodules Hyrodules Hyrodules. Um, and he's like, avoid them because they can tell if you've had the Alzabo through means, <laughs> means and ways. Uh, so don't get near them. But but he also alludes to them as basically being like the the both the power behind the Autark. And it also kind of seems like maybe Vodalus is aligned with like a different group of them. Maybe it seems like. Well, I mean, the the his followers are, are invoking Erebus, uh, which is one of the like Erebus and Abaya are uh, apparently, I guess, two different entities uh, that that live in the oceans, you know, somewhere, and can uh, basically, uh, you know. Have you joined their cause by just their thoughts alone, which is also very Lovecraftian and uh, uh, in, in in that sense, if you believe that literally. Um, but but I do want to point out, um, Kurt, that uh, Vodalus feels very uh, very much like a petty lord. Uh, yeah, where he 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 isn't really. Uh, he doesn't seem to exude any larger plan other than, ha, huh, look at me. I'm out here in these forests and look at all my followers. And we love to get around and have this little club. And I get to talk about how we're going to bring back the glory days of, of earth and the, the power that we once had. But I don't get the feeling that he has anything <laughs> lined up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, and it really does sort of feel like his main objection is that he's not he's not in power, right? Um, or and and also that like uh, he's mad that the Autark is you know subservient to these aliens, but at the same time, like I I don't know, you don't get you, you don't get the impression that he would wants to do anything necessarily all that differently. He certainly talks in like lofty terms about it but um he devotalist doesn't really seem to have especially noble intentions in mind he's not like you know we need to free all these all these people who've been wrongly imprisoned by the autark he's just (laughs) like yeah and thea has like this weird line where she's like oh yeah and when once photos is in charge i'll be his consort 
and all of that intrigue and, and, you know, basically all those fake friends, those won't be a worry. We'll, we'll get rid of that. It'll be very different <laughs> when we're in charge. And you're like, you know, th- this is the, 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 the Thecla chapter is where Thea comes across feeling very much like a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you come, come away thinking much less of Thea. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's revolution without praxis. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to use that sort of language, but that's it's sort of what we're talking about. There's no plan here. They're just dogs chasing cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, one one last thing that uh, I thought was funny is when um, Severian is talking to like basically the oldest and most important prisoners, uh, and he basically asks like, "Why are you? You know, why are you in here?" And the one and, and uh, oh wait, no the 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 guy is like telling oh yeah so like the guy is like telling the story and they realize that um Severian remembers one of the people in his story because you know Thecla remembered her and he's basically like I was entrapped I was I was merely attempting to you know seduce this 14 year old girl but they tricked me I was put up to it uh and I you know a mere man of 28 <laughs> Well, he 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 has the uh, when he tells the story, the girl undressed him. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, one, uh, my last thing is that I, I I forgot to mention it when you were talking about the um, the, the the predator guards, uh, but the the idea of their armor being so reflective uh, puts me in mind of uh, Father Ranieri's mirrors. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of mirror stuff. And there's also some imagery with uh, Thecla, uh, S- Severian's self-image of Thecla coming through her looking at herself in a mirror. Um, mm. And then um, Jonas also kind of snaps him out of it by showing him his real reflection and him t- 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 <laughs> totally uh, owning himself by describing himself as all fucked up and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I saw this horrible, thin, weird, scraggly face. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird thing. But I mean, uh, also, uh, I don't know. I suppose that if if you were suddenly coming out of your yourself. Uh, because you'd been essentially possessed by another entity, uh, wouldn't you have a moment of weird dysphoria where you're like you don't recognize yourself and you see yourself as like oh, also just the plain fact that you know all the flaws that you have, so you look for them. Good boy. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I was on mute. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pete. I thought I was a good boy too. <laughs> good boy, Carlo. <laughs> Do I deserve a treat? <laughs> this is rapidly becoming a very different sort of podcast that I want no part of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose that um, uh, any last thoughts? Uh, we, we've been doing some last thoughts uh, at least twice, twice now. So. <laughs> If not, uh, I suppose that we should probably wrap it up, um, keep everything on time, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, thanks again for joining me in reading some more of The Claw of the Conciliator. Uh, next time, we'll see what shenanigans happen so that Severian can actually escape this place and not be there for seven generations. Um, so everyone listening in, Thanks again, and we'll catch you here next time 
on Kaltai.